Craig Brown and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used in churches for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on text used in the lectionary in the coming weeks. Today's passage is Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. It's the reading for the fifth Sunday of Easter in the year C cycle of the lectionary. It happens to be one of the texts to be read on May 15, 2022. As this passage in the book of Acts uh, opens up, we find that Peter has completed his mission with Cornelius in the city of Caesarea, and he has been summoned to Jerusalem, and there he will have to give an account of his actions with Cornelius. You know, Peter's been on trial for several moments in the book of Acts, and this is yet another episode where he's having to give an account of his actions, but rather than giving an account of his actions to some kind of Roman tribunal or to some Jewish ruling council, now Peter is faced with having to give an account to his own brothers and sisters. Uh, The ruling body of the early church has gathered together. And take note that Peter's not a part of this group. Uh, Has his leadership declined? Is he no longer one of the leading members of the church? We don't know, but there is a group in Jerusalem who has assumed the responsibility of leadership of the church, and now they have asked Peter to give an account. See, word is spread about what happened in Caesarea with Peter and Cornelius. And I'll encourage you to go back and to read Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10 to get a little bit more grounding in that particular story of what happens to Peter in Caesarea. Now, the leadership of the early church at this moment in time included likely some men who were perhaps former Pharisees. Now, Jewish law forbade eating with Gentiles, and it It forbids eating with Gentiles. It even forbids going into a Gentile's home because there's likely unclean items in the home. There's unkosher food. There's a variety of things that might break Jewish law. And so their argument is not that Peter went to Caesarea and baptized Cornelius and preached to them. That's not their argument. Their argument is that, Peter, you went into a home of an uncircumcised man and you ate with him. That's the problem. And so their concern really boils down to two things here. So the early church at this point envisioned that any convert to Christ was to be a proselyte to Judaism. In other words, any Gentile would have to go through the the conversion process into Judaism first in order to be a Christ follower. They would have to go through the usual ritual that anyone who wanted to convert to Judaism would have to go through. Well, part of that process for for men is circumcision. Well, it goes without saying here that circumcision is a deal breaker for many of these Gentiles. And so what happens is many of these Gentile men would make the decision to become what are called God-fearers. That's how they're described. And what that means is they uh, believe and are obedient to the Jewish God, but they don't convert to Judaism because simply they would have to go through that process of circumcision. And so Cornelius is one of these God-fearers, a person who believes in the Jewish God, is an observant, he's observant to a degree of Jewish law and custom, but he is not Jewish. Eating with Gentiles was also another problem. Not only was Cornelius not circumcised, but eating with them was difficult. Because the Romans, of course, would buy their food in the marketplace like anybody else would, and it's quite possible that meats that they were buying or other things could have been food offered to Roman idols. And so you could, as a Jewish person, be eating food offered to a pagan idol without even knowing it. 
Matter of fact, a lot of the Romans didn't even know it when they would buy their food in the marketplace. These were unkosher items, and to eat them would make you ritually unclean. So let's talk about the key passageway here for us as we open this text. Is that our lead as followers of Jesus, our lead must always be curiosity, not accusation. The conservative Jewish leaders in this scene, they don't take issue with the outcome of the story. They don't take issue with Cornelius being baptized. They don't take issue with his whole house being baptized. They don't take issue with the Holy Spirit being poured out upon Cornelius and his entire household. What they take issue with is the policies and process that surround it. Sometimes the work of the Spirit is strange and even unexpected. It can break rules. So when looking at someone or something, the question isn't what rules were broken here. It's how do we gain clarity about what God is doing here? Ask more questions. Listen carefully. Don't jump to conclusions. Be open. Certainly, Peter is breaking Jewish tradition when he goes into Cornelius' household, when he eats with Cornelius' household. But it's in the breaking of those traditions that God opens a door and a new beginning for the church in its ministry with Gentiles. And it's important that in moments like this, that we ask more questions than we make accusations. Peter's explanation of what's gone on in Caesarea at Cornelius's house is an interesting explanation in this story in Acts chapter 11. Peter now has to explain what happened to the leadership of the church. And so the bulk of this text in Acts chapter 1, 11 verses 1 to 18 is Peter retelling the story of what happened to him in Joppa and then ultimately in Caesarea. Without having to repeat everything Peter says, suffice to say that Peter relays to them the entire experience about how he had a vision of a blanket coming down from heaven with all of these unkosher foods, and he saw this vision several times with a commandment to rise and eat. As soon as the vision is over, some men come knocking at the door. They're from Cornelius' house. He goes there. He follows the men, goes into Cornelius' house. He preaches the gospel. Cornelius and his household are baptized, and they receive the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. So, What's important here are the choice of the words that Peter uses to describe what happened. As Peter retells the story, his explanation really fits with our scripture reading here in every way. He uses the word see five times, and he uses the word hear several times. So when Peter retells the story in Acts chapter 11 of what happened, he describes it from a sensory point of view. This is key for this particular episode. You see, if if the argument in front of the, the early Christian leaders was rabbinic in its fashion, in other words, the way rabbis would talk together, Peter would have cited some scripture, he would have cited some Jewish tradition to support why he took the actions he took. And then all of them would argue together about the meaning of the scriptures and how they would be lived out. Instead, Peter doesn't take a, Uh, kind of a standard Jewish form to this argument at all. He just simply tells people what he saw and what he heard. I mean, 
he is, after all, as been, been, has been described in the book of Acts, an uneducated fisherman. So in a sense, rather than offering a rational argument about what he's done, instead of offering a rabbinic argument for what he's done within the Jewish style, he simply appeals to his supernatural experience. And Peter almost makes it sound like a passive experience. He almost describes it like, I just was along for the ride. And then he uses a very common quote we read in Acts, and it's such a powerful rhetorical question. He tells the early Christian leaders this, who was I that I could stand in the way of God? This is the same rhetorical question that Philip uses. It's the same one that even Gamaliel uses in the book of Acts. And now Peter uses, uses it. Who was I that I could stand in the way of God? It opens up the key passageway for us here that the church has, is, and will always be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, when any of our rules as a church is challenged by our experience, we should pause for a moment and seek what is happening instead of just summarily dismissing it because it's unexpected or not normal and then somehow treating it as a danger or a threat to us. We should pause for a moment and remember that God is at work here and ask the question of how is God at work here? Let's be honest. We as followers of Jesus are not people of law. The law does not lead us. The Spirit leads us. And this key passageway is important. Peter doesn't form his argument based on proof-texting Scripture. He makes his argument simply by what he saw and what he heard, and then simply saying, Who was I that I could stand in the way of God? After this episode, the book of Acts changes gears and begins to move in a new direction. And this story, it's important to highlight how pivotal it is in the book of Acts. Peter actually becomes less and less a character in this story. He doesn't disappear after Acts 11, but he comes close to it. In some sense, it's really one of the most important stories in Acts because it marks the shift of the early community of Christians as a sole expression of Judaism to an expression of Judaism and an expression of of a community of Gentiles. And the story in Acts is really telling the story about how the, the preaching of the gospel, how this new movement br brings this shift. It is not a rejection at all of the Jewish tradition. What Acts is arguing for is actually an addition to it, a fulfillment of it. So outside this text for this week, we read about Peter's continued defense of his actions, and he cites the words of Jesus to explain why he's done what he's done. He says, didn't Jesus say that John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit? And Peter really uses that verse to help us understand his, uh, his vision of ministry to the Gentiles. This is the test. It's the witness of the Spirit. Where is God working and how is God working? So watch as you keep reading through the book of Acts, perhaps in Acts 12, Acts 13, you'll start to see this shift occur where Christianity moves from solely a Jewish tradition into an extension of Jewish tradition. That's it for this week. If you have any comments or reflections, I'd love to hear them. Please visit revcraig.com, my website, and click on news in the upper right-hand corner. From there, you'll see a drop-down menu, click on podcasts, <clears throat> and then click on a particular episode. 
and then you can leave a comment. I want to let you know that Passages, this podcast, will be taking a pause after the end of May. Look for more news on my website about when it will resume. There are still two more episodes ahead in the month of May. I invite you to tune in. But for now, I bid you all grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.